Welcome to the Caps Locks and Chair Shots podcast with your host, Ed Burkine. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, whenever and wherever you may be listening to us, you have your ears locked into a very special Caps Locks and Chair Shots podcast. My name is Zebra Keen. I am your host for these festivities, and I am running solo due to technical difficulties with Dan and Jaime this evening. And as I promised, we are going to be covering the OVW class of 2002. But before we get there, let me explain to you what is going to be going on with the podcast this week. You are going to get this episode, which should drop sometime Monday or Tuesday. You're also going to get a Wrestling Jeopardy 2.0. That's going to feature myself, Dan, and a special celebrity guest from my past who is doing some very special things out Kansas City way. And then on Wednesday, which should drop sometime Wednesday, maybe even Thursday, you are going to get our regularly scheduled Three panel show that'll be myself, Dan, and Jaime as we discuss Slammiversary, Money in the Bank, and who did the weekend better. But before we get to all of that, I want to tell you about something that is very near and very dear to my heart, and that is VoltCon 1, brought to you by Game Vault. VoltCon will take place September 4th, 2021. At the Game Vault in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, you'll be able to get video games, Funko Pops, WWE action figures, food, beverages, and so much more. Hey, do you want to meet some wrestling legends? Well, guess what? They got you covered. Do you want to meet the Zodiac? Or maybe you know him as the Booty Man. Or maybe you know him as Brutus the Barber Beefcake. He's going to be at Volcon. How about Greg the Hammer Valentine? One of the prettiest men in wrestling history and one of the best workers. He's going to be at Volcon. How would you like to meet the man behind the millions, Virgil? Guess what? He's in at VaultCon. How would you like to meet one of the greatest tag teams of all time? Axe and Smash Demolition. They're going to be at VaultCon. Oh, by the way, you're also going to get to meet and greet none other than Mean Mark Lincoln. He's going to be at VaultCon. That's VaultCon. September 4th, 2021, Uniontown, Pennsylvania at the Game Vault. For more information, you can find them on Facebook. Just search Game Vault or you can call 724-438-3186. Ask for VIP tickets. Tell them the Caps Locks and Chair Shots podcast sent you. And especially give a shout out to my man, Mean Mark Lincoln. All right, now that the bills have been paid, let's talk about the OVW class of 2002. I rated 15 entities. Now, a lot of these entities have the exact same scores. Wasn't really all that original with it, but I tried to keep it simple mainly because I didn't want to confuse myself. Now, I rated these entities on four categories. Now, one of these categories accounts for half of their score, and that is work done outside of the ring, i.e. movies, personal lives, music, what have you. The other three are how entertaining their career was, what was the length of their career, and any domination they showed, i.e. title reigns, main events, pay-per-views headline, posters, merchandise sales, how over they were, etc. Entertainment, length, domination, they're all one half of the score, and then outside of the ring comprises the other half. I said there were 15. We're going to go through them in reverse order. Now, we all know that there were four big ones going into that class of 2002. We all know it was John Cena and Batista and Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton. But let's go through some of the other names that shared that OVW territory right after the invasion angle of the Alliance WCW. 
We're going to start with Orlando Jordan. Now, Orlando Jordan, he was a member of JBL's cabinet. He was a one-time United States champion. He also wrestled an impact as such. For his work in JBL's cabinet, I gave him a two. Didn't have a long career. Didn't really dominate anything. He got ones in both of them. Couldn't find much for what he's done outside the ring. He gets a one. Overall score, 1.17. Tied for 16th. Tying him at 16 is none other than... Nydia, whose claim to fame was winning Tough Enough Season 1 with Maven. She retired from professional wrestling in 2005. Let's not forget her work with Jamie Noble, both on Velocity and I believe they were on the SmackDown roster, chasing the Cruiserweight Championship. It was entertaining, if you want to call it that. She was very pretty, had a nice, strong sex appeal, but she wasn't around for very long. She got the exact same scores as Orlando Jordan, 2-1-1-1, good for 1.17. And tied for 16th place. Now we move on, and there was a tie for 14th between the Basham brothers. Now let's go over their scores. I gave them a 3 in entertainment, a 2 in length, and a 2 in domination, and let me explain why. They were a two-time, two-time tag team champions. They were also members of JBL's cabinet. And let's not forget, when the WWE brought ECW back, that very first go-around, Paul Heyman was in charge. Who were Paul Heyman's special enforcers? None other than Doug and Danny Basham. So they got 3-2-2. Two, and two. Outside of the ring, couldn't find much to do with them. They got a 1. Overall score, 1.67. Now let's move on to the probably, probably the most controversial character on this list. And he has some pretty controversial scores as well. And that is Muhammad Hassan. Now, for those of you that don't remember, Muhammad Hassan was a, let's call him Arab. He was an Arab character who came out in a very, I want to be real careful with my choice of words here, nationalistic, very patriotic time for America when Hulk Hogan was running around as Mr. America instead of Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon and there was a, there was a thing. And there was an incident about masked guards kidnapping somebody. Some things were said on air about them being Arab terrorists. And then there was a terrorist bombing in London that effectually ended Muhammad Hassan completely thanks to some network politicking. And it, it, a terrorist attack happened at the worst time for this guy. It completely derailed his character. He couldn't really rebound from it. Art imitating life, life imitating art, it screwed him. Long, he was entertaining while he was there. I gave him a five for that. I, I really loved what he brought to the table. There was nobody that had more heat than Muhammad Hassan and Davari with him speaking, um, I guess Arabic was what he spoke there. He got a one everywhere else. Uh, pfft, let's not forget they had a. Canadian-Italian play an Arab, but that's neither here nor there. He was a one-time OVW heavyweight champion. And there is a rumor, a backstage rumor, that he was said to become a world heavyweight champion at SummerSlam 2005. However, the events that I just explained went down, and we never really saw him again, thanks to London bombings and the mass attacker incident. That happened on July 7th, 2005. Good luck finding it. 
didn't really look for it too hard, but I do believe SmackDown may be edited on the WWE Network to avoid that. He's now a junior high principal. Very respectable. It would scare me a little bit. Going to detention there, you know, thinking that I may get the camel clutch applied on to me, but I don't know. Let's move on. Next on the list, Matt Morgan. Matt Morgan. He was a TNA Tag Team Champion with uh, Hernandez and Crimson. He appeared as an American Gladiator when they did the reboot with Hulk Hogan. He, his name was Beast. Uh, he tried out for both the Indiana Pacers and the Toronto Raptors, didn't make the team. And he graduated magna cum laude from Chaminade University in Hawaii. So how about that? Uh, he got a two for entertainment, kind of forgettable. He got uh, one in length, one in domination, 1.33. That was the one half. However, you got to give him some props for the magma cum laude and trying to be an NBA star. Gave him a three there. Overall score, 2.17. Respectable. Let's move on. Now, this guy, Heidenreich. I don't know what to say here. Um, his character was unique. His character was unique. Let's. I gave him a two for entertainment, mainly because it was it wasn't quite Snitsky level of cringy, but the the scene with Michael Cole it disturbed me. I encourage you guys with a stronger stomach for nonsense to go to YouTube and look up Michael Cole and Heidenreich and and just see what I'm talking about. It's not fun. Uh, so he got a 2-1-1 across the board. He got a 4 for outside ring work. Let me tell you the deets on this guy. He was a tag team champion when he tried to become part of the Road Warriors, or LOD, if you will, with Road Warrior Animal. He replaced Hawk for a short time as a member of the Road Warriors. Yes, he, kayfabe, did things to Michael Cole. Uh, he was a poet, for those of you that don't remember. Uh, he signed in May 1992 with the Washington football team, but was not a member of the Super Bowl winners in 1991, a common misconception. He actually signed in the offseason between the 91 and 92 seasons. He also signed with the Saints and the Falcons. He was cut both times at the end of training camp. Uh, and he was actually a teammate with Bill Goldberg in Atlanta during a training camp one year. He played in the CFL with the Shreveport Pirates, the AFL, that's the Arena Football League, with the Texas Terror, and in NFL Europe with the Frankfurt Galaxy. That's why he got a four in outside ring work, and I would, I'd say he's a pretty accomplished football player. Let's move along. Now, this next case was pretty hard. It was Mark Jindrak. Now, there is a backstage rumor that Jindrak was one of the people considered to for Batista's spot in Evolution. Matt Morgan was also in the running for that. But here we are, Mark Jindrak. I believe he was actually set to be there before Batista was brought in as kind of a last-minute replacement because if you remember when Batista debuted on the main roster, he was the heavy for Devon Dudley who had just broken away from Bubba Ray. It was a whole thing. Wrestling was weird in 2002 and 2003 post-invasion. They were trying to sort people out. They kind of had velocity going on. It was a very tumultuous time, a great time in professional wrestling because look at what it gave us and you'll find that out later in the show it was just thing I wonder how things could have been different could he be playing Drax right now instead of Dave Batista? the world may never know he got a 3 in entertainment a 3 in length a 1 in domination and let me tell you why he was a 2 time 
WCW, that is with the WWE side, tag team champion with Sean O'Hare. He was the CMLL heavyweight champion, and he, as I said before, he was once considered for Batista's role in Evolution. I gave him a three in outside ring work. Honestly, I can't remember why, but that's what he's here for, so that's what we're going to go with. He has a 2.67. Let's move along. Next, we have Linda Miles. Linda Miles got a 2-2-1 two, two, and one with a 4 in outside ring work, and this is why. She won Tough Enough 2 with Jackie Gata. She was the manager of the Basham Brothers pre-JBL. Her name was Shaniqua. She was a dominatrix. It was a thing. Let's move along. She scored 993 points in 130 games for Rutgers as a four-year starter. She averaged 7.6... Or she averaged... Okay, yeah, my math's a little off. 7.6 points per game, 5.7 rebounds per game, 2 assists per game, 1.3 steals per game, and 2 blocks per game as a solid all-round player and defender. She signed with Seattle Storm of the WNBA, but she was cut in their training camp, and she is currently a college basketball referee, a noble profession. Believe me, because referees in this country, in this sports culture, may be some of the least respected professional individuals Anywhere, here, go to a high school game, you'll understand why. She finishes with a 2.83, and let's move along. That'll bring us to Eugene. Yes, Nick Dinsmore, Eugene. Let me tell you his stats. He was, <laughs> he was a tag team champion with William Regal. He was kayfabe, Eric Bischoff's nephew. He was a former general manager of Monday Night Raw. Now, check this out. He was a 10-time OVW heavyweight champion. He now runs his own promotion called Midwest All-Pro Wrestling in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He got a 4-2-1 in the ring and a 4 outside the ring for a 3.17 overall score. Guys were climbing the list. Eugene, very strong career. Let's move it along. Now, we come to Rico. Now, for those of you that don't remember Rico, one of the... Hmm, how do I want to say this? One of the more memorable skits in SmackDown history was the debut of 3-Minute Warning. 3-Minute Warning was Rosie and Jamal. Made, I believe they're both passed away now. And they were managed by Eric Bischoff. They debuted during the wedding of Billy and Chuck. Billy and Chuck were tag team champions. That's Billy Gunn and Chuck Palumbo. And they were managed by none other than Rico, who played a strong, effeminate male character who was their manager and wedding planner. The, the wedding became a sham. Three-minute warning debuted. Billy and Chuck kind of went away. We got super rosy, and the beat just kind of marched on. However, Rico was very talented in the ring. Uh, he was a two-time tag team champion with Charlie Haas and, get ready for this one, Rikishi. He was a three-time OVW heavyweight champion. And little do people know, he actually won an episode of American Gladiators, not the new stuff, the old stuff from the 80s with Mike Adamley. Yes, the same Mike Adamley that was a terrible addition to the WWE back when American Gladiators was good, you know? Uh, let's see what else we got here. He was also a paramedic, a SWAT team member, and a bodyguard in Las Vegas. 
Very strong outside ring resume for Rico. 3-2-1 inside, 5 on the outside. That's good for a 3.5. Stellar stuff from Rico, the Las Vegas native. Let's move it along. That'll bring us to Christopher Nowitzki. Now, for those of you that may be unfamiliar with Mr. Nowitzki's work, he has a high score, and he's this high on the list, not for what he did in the WWE. It's for what he's doing outside of it. Now, Chris didn't have a long career, and what career he did have, he played basically a nerd gimmick where he was a big, tough guy from Harvard University. He turned that Harvard career into actually genuinely helping not just wrestlers, but other members of the athletic community. He got a 2-1-1 across the board, but he got a 6 for outside ring work, and this is why. Well, he was a two-time hardcore champion, but he has led the field into CTE research and research into the damage caused by concussions both in the ring and in sports. He is a part of a number of charities and research facilities that really shed light on what concussions do to the human brain. He was one of the first proponents of the CTE movement to help make not just wrestling, but other sports safer. Christopher Nowitzki is a hero in a sport and industry where everybody claims to be a hero. Probably should have been higher on this list, but we're talking about professional wrestling, not real life. And I know it may still be real to some of us. It's not. This is for entertainment value. So we shall move along. Now, we get to some of these people that you guys may actually know and have shirts, designs, have their merch. The next one is La Resistance. Now, I this is a three-person team that consisted of Sylvain Grenier, Rene Dupree, and Rob Conway. Now, while they overlapped for just a short time, all three of them together, it was mostly... Grenet and Dupree, or Dupree and Conway. So they were four-time tag team champions. Dupree and Grenier were together for one of them. Grenier and Conway won it three times. Uh, They were named the Wrestling Observer's Worst Tag Team of 2003. Conway has become a two-time NWA heavyweight champion and a four-time NWA tag team champion. Rene Dupree was the 2001 Mr. Canada bodybuilder and Sylvain Grenier is a former French commentator for TNA and now is a backstage producer for the WWE all accomplished outside of the WWE in their own right they got a three for entertainment a five for length given that two of them are still in the industry but a two for domination given the fact that they were only a four-time tag team champion when to be dominating in the tag team division you think of the New Day, the Ed, you know, Edge and Christian, the Hardys, the Dudleys, etc. Four times is really not much of anything, especially during those times when the belt changed hands, like the way Vince McMahon changes his underwear. The less I want to know about that, the better. Anyway, they also got a five for work outside of the WWE. Not necessarily outside the ring, although being a producer and a Mr. Bodybuilder, a Mr. Canada does help. They finished with a 4.67. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the top five. We know who the top four are, we just don't know their order, but who was next? Who was just on the outside looking in in that number five spot? And that is none other than the world's greatest 
tag team. Now that is Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. They got fives across the board in the ring, fours outside the ring, good for a 4.5. Here are the stats. They are a three-time tag team champion inside the WWE, a two-time Ring of Honor tag team champion. They were the PWI Tag Team of the Year in 2003. So they were the best where La Resistance was the worst. Shelton Benjamin has also been a three-time Intercontinental Champion, a U.S. Champion, a three-time 24-7 Champion, and he was also a Tag Team Champion most recently. Here was Cedric Alexander. He was also in a Tag Team with Brock Lesnar in OVW. They were called, I believe, the Minnesota Stretching Crew or the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, something like that. Now, Charlie Haas... He had a career before the WWE where he was a two-time Big East Wrestling Champion at Seton Hall. He was also formerly married to Jackie Gata. And I believe he is a stockbroker with Goldman Sachs right now. You can't really go wrong. Hey, let me give you a hot stock tip. By the way, I was also a tag team champion. Here's me posing next to Kurt Freaking Angle. You got my vote, buddy. Here's my money. Anyway, they finished with a 4.5. They are number five. Now we come to the top four. In this top four, we know who they are. We know it's Randy Orton. We know it's Brock Lesnar. We know it's Batista. And we know it's John Cena. This is where you guys can debate it. This is where you guys can tell me about it. At number four, as much as it pains me to say this, it's Randy Orton. And let me tell you why. He gets a 10 in entertaining. He gets a 10 in length. He gets a 10 in domination. He Half of his score is a 10. Outside of the ring, he gets a 4. Maybe a little bit hard on him. Maybe a little bit biased. He gets a 4 because he only, compared to everybody else on this list, he only has 7 feature film acting credits. He also has a less than honorable discharge from the United States Marine Corps. I am a former Marine. That's why it's only a 4. Here is the rest of the stats for Randy Orton. He is a 14-time world champion. He has won the Intercontinental Champion just one time. He has won the United States Championship just one time. He is a two-time tag team champion. He has won it with A Edge, and he has also won it as a member of the Wyatt family with Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. Thank God for the Freebird rule. He has also won the 2013 Menton's Money in the Bank. He is a two-time Royal Rumble winner in 2009 and 2017. He was the 17th Triple Crown Champion and the 18th Grand Slam Champion. He was the PWI Rookie of the Year in 2001. He is the second wrestler. He is a two-time, excuse me, Wrestler of the Year. Won it in back-to-back years of 2009 and 2010. He was ranked number one by Pro Wrestling Insider in 2008. 10, 10, 10 for overall seven. Randy Orton, the fourth best member of the OVW class of 2002. The next man up on this list is somebody who has a lot of history with Randy Orton, somebody who was synonymous with Randy Orton, and that is none other than Batista. Now, the reason Batista isn't higher on this list is because he wasn't there for very long. Let's not forget Batista. Yes, he was a member of Evolution. Yes, he was dominating, but he wasn't there for as long as Randy Orton, who's still current, as long as John Cena, who is current once again, as long as Brock Lesnar, who could come back anytime the WWE wants to go to WrestleMania or Saudi Arabia. So Batista is third. He got an 8, a 7, and a 9. 
He didn't get a 10 because I reserved the, the 10s for the three that got them. He also got a 10 in work outside the ring, and here is his stats. He is a six-time world champion. He is a four-time tag team champion. He won those titles twice with Ric Flair, once with John Cena, and once with Rey Mysterio. He is a two-time Royal Rumble winner in 2005, and in 2014, he was a member of Evolution. He has 32 feature film acting credits, including some you're going to be able to see this summer and fall coming out in theaters that are reopening up worldwide. He has one MMA fight, and he won it. He is also rumored to be headed into the WWE Hall of Fame sooner rather than later. They need a headliner for this year. It's going to be done in front of people. Boy, Drax the Destroyer, right around the time another Marvel movie comes out, would look pretty freaking sweet going in to the WWE Hall of Fame. I'm not saying I know that, but I'm just saying it fits. Now we know who the final two are. Is it John Cena? Is it Brock Lesnar? Who is the top? But before we get there, I had a little bit of fun. And when I had this fun, I created a potential card. Six matches using everybody on this list. I believe I may have left out one. But here, let's talk about it. Match number one. The Bashin Brothers are going to take on La Resistance. You could see this coming miles away two tag teams kind of remind me a lot of each other big guys that could move but not necessarily very interesting you have rob conway on one side you have shaniqua on the other it could be a very fun very velocity 2003 kind of match i thought it'd be a fun way to start it off then let's go with christopher nowitzki versus orlando jordan once again another one of these fun nostalgic kind of two young guys that can just let him go let him move around let Nowitzki use his power advantage over Jordan who could fly around the ring who could do all these athletic things I think it would be great let you know a little secret here I'm building what could be a smackdown from like February of 2003 Heidenreich will take on Mohammed Hassan because speaking of another because match Rico is going to take on Eugene so people can have the opportunity to go visit the WWE shop, the merchandise stand, whatever you want to call it, or go get yourself some popcorn, maybe a adult beverage, or use the bathroom, depending on where we're at, you know, something like that. A good palate cleanser, but you really don't have anything to clear off the palate anyway, so this would be where you would see the WWE use like a the Castrol GTX replay of the week where it shows Eugene getting a using a stunner on Rico as he interfered in a match with you know whatever you guys know what I'm talking about Matt Morgan will take on Mark Jindrak in a who's got bigger muscles contest I think this could be a fun match we saw you know Morgan do some stuff in impact you know Jindrak was jacked uh, these two guys, they, they weren't just nothing. They could go. I don't mind it. I, I think it could have been a interesting five, six minute match. You know, you throw Teddy Long doing something crazy in there. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. The main event of the evening would be the world's greatest tag team with Brock Lesnar to take on half of Evolution, Batista and Randy Orton with... <gasps> Actually, no, 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 not not da, 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 John Cena with Doctor of the Economics, J 
John Cena. I'm talking about give him the padlock and chain. This would be a match I would let go for 35 minutes, let Lesnar get the hot tag, have Cena shut him down. It would be beautiful. This could be a SmackDown main event in a very middle of the week or middle of the pay-per-view cycle after WrestleMania going into like Backlash or Vengeance or, or something like that. It wouldn't be a bad SmackDown. I feel like I've already seen this episode of SmackDown, so I think I did pretty well with that. Let's move back. We're to the top two. Who's number one? The scores were painfully close. I'm not going to tell you who's number one. Brock Lesnar. He was an eight-time world champion. 2002 King of the Ring. 2019 Money in the Bank Award winner. 2003 Royal Rumble winner. UFC Heavyweight Champion. UFC Rookie of the Year 2008. A two-time Division I All-American. In 1999 and in 2000, a two-time Big Ten Conference Champion in the same years. He was a national champion in the year 2000. He has a 5-3-1 MMA record with three knockouts. He ended The Undertaker's undefeated streak. He was one of the most exciting UFC champions. He had the quickest ascension to the UFC title picture ever. He's one of the biggest draws in UFC history. He left the WWE to play for the Minnesota Vikings. Nearly made the team. Just left. Just left. Said bye. You know. What was it? 2003, 2004 at Mania? Face off against Goldberg. See ya. Went to go play for the Vikings. Damn near made the team. Went to go be in the UFC. Won everything there. Came back. Destroyed. Left. Came back. Destroyed. Left. Came back. We'll see when we see him again. Maybe in Asia, maybe here, maybe in January come WrestleMania season. We don't know. John Cena's stats. 16-time world champion. Maybe 17 as he challenges Roman Reigns at SummerSlam this year. Oh, we're going to talk about this on the show with Dan and Jaime. He is a five-time United States champion. A four-time tag team champion. Now, I want you to listen to the people he was a tag team champion with. Because one of these things is not like the other. The Miz, Batista, Shawn Michaels, all great, and David Otunga. Now, granted, this was when John Cena was owned by the Nexus in a storyline that made some sense. Got Wade Barrett over. Killed Daniel Bryan's career for a time. Thank God John Cena brought him back, I guess. I guess. So that happened. He won the 2012 Money in the Bank and was the one of the first Money in the Bank winners to fail to cash in. Raw 1000, CM Punk, very well done storyline. He is a two-time Royal Rumble winner in 28 and 2013. He is the PWI. Five-time. He's won match of the year. 2007, 11, 13, 14, 16, two-time PWI Wrestler of the Year, consecutive years, 06, 07. He's been the PWI number one wrestler three times, 6, 7, and 13. He has 23 feature film acting credits, including the new Suicide Squad and whatever the next Fast and the Furious movie is. He is confirmed to be the star... He is is confirmed to star as Christopher Smith slash Peacemaker in a DC Comics thing. And he also released a studio album titled 
You Can't See Me, which hit number 15 on Billboard's Hot 200, and number 10 on the R&B hip-hop chart, and number 3 on the rap charts. So, reading all of those, who should be number 1? Brock Lesnar finished number 2, and here's why. He got a 9.5 in an entertaining career. He could have been better. Thank you, Paul Heyman, but I feel like Heyman kind of held him back because if you look at the times where Paul Heyman wasn't with Brock Lesnar, Lesnar was entertaining on his own. Heyman made him better, but he could have been better without Heyman. It's a slippery slope. That's why he was just a hair short of a 10. Length of career, 8. He's been gone and come back. He's been gone and come back, and that's why. Domination, if I would have given this on a scale higher than then 1 to 10, he probably would have gotten a 25, a 50 on a scale of 1 to whatever. He's been that dominant. He ended the Undertaker's streak. I mean, you look at some of the greatest memes that WWE has created over their time with their fans. There's two that really come to mind. The, oh my God, that just happened. The black guy after the streak got busted and the angry Miz girl. He's responsible for one of them. That's pretty impressive, at least in my book. He gets a 10 for outside ring work because, honestly, you can't have a better career than what Brock Lesnar has done. Play professional football? Eh, check. Multiple-time UFC champion? Eh, let's check that box, too. All-American? Check. National champion? Check. All-conference? Won the conference? Oh, yeah, check there, too. Married to Sable? Um, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it, that's two checks. You can't get much more successful than that outside the ring. I mean, when you tell Joe Rogan... After you win a match in the UFC, you're going to go home and have intimate relations with Sable? That's winning at life, my friends. I mean, I don't care who you are. That That's a win. That, I mean, you kick ass, go home, have sex with a, somebody who was in Playboy, and eat a steak. Not sure life gets much better than that, folks. Which means John Cena's number one. And I'm going to make this one easy. Tens all the way across the board. Entertaining? Oh, yeah. Doctor of Thugonomics, you know, never give up, whatever. Chain gang, whatever he wanted to be. Yep, yep, yep. He carried the company for 15 years. That's check. Length of career? Carried the company for 15 years. Still active. Going to wrestle at SummerSlam. Oh, yep. That's a big check right there. Domination? 16-time world champion. Yep, yep, yep. Check, check, check. Outside of the ring work? Num- you know, high on the charts musical album? Yeah, that'll get you a 10. Oh, how about... Feature movie credits, including a comic book movie. Yeah, ask Batista. That that's another check right there. Yep, yep. Uh, Fast and the Furious movies. Eh, maybe not as much as what they used to be, but uh, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and check that one for a hundred million dollars at the box office. So yeah, John Cena. Tens across the board, which means John Cena is the best of the 2002 OVW alumni. So that is gonna conclude this solo episode of the Caps, Locks, and Chair Shots podcast. Now, to recap about what's going to happen this week, you're going to get this special episode that we've been talking about for a few weeks. You're going to get a special wrestling 2.0 Jeopardy with myself, the reigning and defending champion, Danny Bananas, and a special guest, a dear, dear friend of mine, my mentor from the United States Marine Corps, Bam Bam, is going to be with us. We're going to record that one in... Uh, about 13 hours from now. You're also going to get your regularly scheduled show, and that's going to be myself. It's going to be Danny Bananas. It's going to be 
Hi, May the Muscle of the Podcast, and we are going to be talking about this past weekend, SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, who won the weekend. I went over it, saw both pay-per-views in their entirety. I got a way around how Peacock screwed up. Tell you more about that on that show. Look forward to that coming up here this week, all of it this week. We'll even tell you what we're going to have on next week's show. It's going to be a special. Could it be a watch along with me and Dan? Could it be more trivia with me, Dan, and Jaime? Could we be playing a different game? Could we actually all go on camera? Could you want to see our faces? Will I be wearing a mask? I don't know. Maybe we're just going to play Monopoly. Who knows? It's a long way from here. We may even be doing a review of a Nitro. We don't know. I haven't figured it out. When I know, you'll know. Find out on the next couple of shows. But as always, we'd like to thank you all for listening to the Caps, Locks, and Chair Shots podcast and going to Volcon September 4th in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And as always, if you're not down with the Caps, Locks, and Chair Shots podcast, I have two words for you. Keep listening.